Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. How are you doing this morning? Tired. I understand. It's been a long week. Uh, I shared with the praise team earlier, we're talking about the pit, and the Lord has really uh, decided to make sure I know what the pit is. Uh, earlier this week, I backed into somebody's car in my neighborhood. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was heartbreaking. Uh, it's all right. I don't really care about my car that much. Uh, and then this morning, I realized half of my notes that I had typed up were missing on my computer, but it's okay because the Lord has just spoke so clearly to me this morning that uh, I don't even need it. I told my wife it might be a little shorter, too, so she was happy with that. I'm excited to share with you this morning. We're in this series called The Life of Joseph, and I love this series because it's the story of, of a man named Joseph, but really, it's the story of all of us. It's the story of every man, of every woman, because the root of all sin, Pastor John spoke about this last week, is pride. We all struggle with pride, whether we know it or not, because that's the root of all of our sins. And so we realize that Joseph has this sin of pride that he is struggling with. And we can continue watching this story unfold, and we can just see ourselves in it so clearly. It's the story of a man who has a dream for his life at an early age, who has a tremendous gift from the father in an ego the size of Texas. Uh, I identify with that well. I identify, I identify with that well. I, I can uh, say that I have had an ego the size of Texas sometimes in my life. But I'm happy to say that the Lord is working on that with me. Uh, we are growing each day together, and he is working on me in the same way that he's working on you, and he's working on Joseph in this story. Uh, when I thought about this pit, th- this story of the pit, I, I thought back to a recent golf game that I played, and it just really felt like I was in the pit when I was playing this game of golf. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a very good uh, golf player or a good golfer, If you play golf, you know there's this thing called the handicap. Uh, And if a handicap could go as high as 40 or 50, that's probably what mine would be. But I think it cuts off at like 36 or something like that. But that means I'm not very good. Uh, A good golfer has a low handicap. I have a very high handicap. And so I was playing golf uh, about a week ago. And I was playing with these three strangers. You know, sometimes when you play golf, you get teamed up with some guys you don't know. And they were all really good, okay? And I'm not. So they all tee off, and, and they drive the ball straight down the middle of the fairway. And so I get up there, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit it far. I'm going to get it right down the middle of the fairway. And I just hit it as hard as I can. And that ball sails straight for about two seconds, and then it just slices to the right, into the woods somewhere. That's how my golf game always is. But I was just so sure I was going to hit it hard and hit it right down the middle, and I didn't. And so I ended up in the woods over here, and I'm like, all right, I can still pull out a par. And so I hit it from the woods, and I go across the fairway uh, into the rough on the other side. And then I hit it from the rough, and I go over the green. And then I try to hit it onto the green, and I go over the green again. Finally, I get on the green. I putt for, uh, I think it was like double par. So it's like the worst you can do. Uh, It was a terrible hole. The rest of the round was the same thing because I was just so concerned about showing off to these guys who were really good. It even started raining halfway through the round, so we had to go home early. But I just looked back over that game of golf, and I realized that the reason I did so poorly 
was because of my pride. I was so concerned with showing these guys how good I was, that I could hang with them, that I could smack the ball as hard as they could down the middle of the green, and every time that ball went to the right, that ball went to the left, that ball trickled you know, down the tee box because I, I missed the ball. But, but every time, I just tried to hit it as hard as I could. I tried to show off, and every time I failed. I was in a pit. Nothing was going right. That's the definition of the pit we're talking about this morning, that time in your life when nothing seems to go right. Now, I know a round of golf is, is a pretty silly example of that. But, but it just goes to show that when our pride gets in the way, nothing will go right in our lives. You know, I think a lot of times we can look at our lives and apply the same sort of thinking. When in our lives has nothing seemed to go right? When my marriage fell apart, nothing could go right. I lost my job because of my pride. Nothing could go right. My kids don't talk to me anymore because of my pride. I don't have friends anymore because of my pride. I think we can all relate to something in our lives where where it went wrong because of our pride. The truth of the matter is that we will all find ourselves in this pit someday. But it's when we are in that pit that the Lord is able to speak most clearly to us. It's when we're down in that pit and it's quiet and it's dark and it's just us and our thoughts and the Lord. That is when he will speak most clearly to us. Let's pray, and then we'll get into our text. Lord, I thank you that you speak clearly to us, even when we are in the pit. Lord, I pray this morning as we look at the life of Joseph, we look at the time he spent in this pit, I pray you would reveal to us what it is you want to speak into our lives, what you want to say to us while we are at the bottom of a pit. Lord, what is it that you want us to hear from you this morning? I pray you would show us that. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. We're in the book of Genesis. Uh, Last week we left off with verse 11. We're going to pick up at verse 12. It's going to be on the screen behind me. Verse 12 says, Now his brothers went to pasture their flocks, pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. And the man said to him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. He saw them, or they saw him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, He said to them, shed no blood. I'm sorry, when Reuben heard this, he rescued him. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit there in the wilderness. But do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. 
the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. When Judah said, then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his body? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midian, the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph was without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his sons many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. That's a long verse, I know. I hope you're not asleep yet. It was long. But Joseph is in this pit. His own brothers threw him in this pit, and at the bottom of the pit, he, they, they expected him to just die. Oh, my goodness, I'm sorry. It's laughing at me this morning. They threw him in this pit, and they just expected him to die. They even said, let's just throw him in there and let him die. We'll tell our fathers that he died. We'll take this, this, this coat that our father has given him, this coat that we hate, and we'll just say, you know, Dad, I'm sorry your son has died. Maybe you feel like you're in that same pit this morning. Nothing is going right. Nothing was going right for Joseph. He didn't expect to find himself in this pit, and maybe that's where you feel like you are this morning. Nothing is going right in your marriage. Nothing is going right at work. Nothing is going right in your finances. This whole coronavirus pandemic seems like nothing is going right. Amen? The, the, the racial tension in our world, it feels, it feels like nothing is going right. You know, if you can't relate to this at all, please, I'd love to be your friend. But nothing is going right for Joseph, and I feel like we are all there at some point as well. And so there are three questions I want us to ask ourselves this morning while we're in this pit. And the first one is this, why are you in the pit? Why are you in the pit in the first place? First off, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised when we find ourselves in a pit. The Bible tells us that in this world we will have trouble. We shouldn't expect for life to be uh, sunshine and roses. We shouldn't expect for life to be good and, and happy. Uh, life is going to be difficult. So don't be surprised when you find yourself in a pit. Don't be surprised when life has challenges. We will experience ups and downs because this world is sinful. It's broken. So don't be surprised. But when we find ourselves in a pit, it's so common for our culture to do what? We cast blame, right? We say, well, it's not my fault. It's, it's this person's fault that I'm in the pit. Joseph said, it's my brother's fault that I'm in the pit. It can't be my fault. You know, I, all I did was just wear this gift my father gave me. I, I let my brothers know that, that I was the favorite. But it's not my fault. They're the ones that threw me in the pit. 
Maybe you said, it's because my boss doesn't like me. It's because my parents didn't really love me as a child. It's because my wife doesn't really understand me that I'm in this pit. Are you ready for this? It's because of the color of my skin that I'm in this pit. It's because of my political views or this other person's political views that I'm in this pit. It's because of that person in power that I'm in this pit. You see, we can go on and on and on and blame and blame for the reason we are in the pit. But here's the hard to swallow truth. Even if someone else's sins put us in the pit, it's our responsibility to respond correctly. It's the only, that's the only thing we can control is how we respond. Uh, my wife and I have been a part of a marriage grace group here at the church. And there's this one thing that, that Mickey and Lori teach us, and it's that when you put your hands out like this, that's all you can control. That's all you can control in any relationship, in your marriage, in your friendship, in your relationship with coworkers, with your boss. That's all you can control, what you can do, how you respond. So when you get in that argument with someone in a relationship, the way that you respond is the only thing you can control. That's the only thing that matters is how you control because you can't control someone else. So we can't blame them for why we are in that pit. We can only blame ourselves for how we respond. In this world, you will have trouble. Let's look at Joseph. Why were his brothers out tending the sheep while he was at home? You know, why why were they out working and he was at home? Scholars believe it's because of the relationship between Joseph and his brothers. The father was trying to, you know, just kind of separate them. How many people have had kids and you have to separate them sometimes, right? I remember as a kid with my brother and my sister, we would all fight and our parents would say, go to your rooms. The problem was me and my brother shared a room, so we would just keep fighting once we got to the room. But that's all right. Parents, you know how this goes. You have to separate your children. But Joseph allowed his pride to literally divide his relationship with his brothers. Literally, they were out working. He was at home. They they weren't spending the time together that brothers must spend. I wonder how often our pride divides us from our brothers and sisters in Christ. How often have we allowed our pride to just build a barrier in our church, in our relationships, with our friends? The scripture also says that a man found Joseph wandering in the fields. What's that about? He was just wandering around? His father said, go find your brothers. And then we find out that that a man has to find Joseph just wandering around. How often does our Heavenly Father give us a task and we just kind of get lost doing our own thing on the way there? You know, our pride gets in the way. Then the passage says that, that the brothers saw him from afar. Well, how'd they see him from afar? A, a mile, two miles. It's because of that stinking coat, right? He was wearing that coat. He said, here I come, brothers. I've got this beautiful polka dot, purple, orange, green coat. It's that coat of many colors because his father had given him that coat. That was a gift from the father. The father favors me. And he just couldn't leave the house without letting his brothers know that he was the favorite. How often do we care more about our gift than the gift giver? How often do we care more about our gift than the relationships in this world? I don't know about you, but I've, I've worked in manual labor before. And if there was one guy who was sitting in the truck, he had a nice cozy jacket on, and me and the other guys are out working, I wouldn't be very happy. Why is he the one that gets to just stay in the truck and not do any work while we're out here working hard, cutting grass or whatever? Uh, If he just came moseying up, wearing these nice comfy clothes, and we're out here working, sweating, I would be upset too, okay? Now, I don't know if I'd throw him down in the pit, but I would be upset too. 
But how often do we take our, grif- our gift from the Father and show it off? We take it for granted. Maybe you're a gifted musician, a gifted speaker. Maybe you're even a prophet. Or maybe you've been gifted financially and you love to give as long as someone sees it. You love to sing as long as someone claps you on the back at the end. You love to speak as long as someone says, oh, pastor, that was a good word. You love to show off your gift as long as you get recognition from it. How often do we find our identity in the gift rather than in the relationship with the gift giver? We find our identity there. That's who we are. I am this jacket. I am this singer. I am this speaker. I am this prophet. Yeah, I heard a story uh, from, from a pastor. Uh, I can't remember his name right now, but, but he talks about how when he meets people, the first thing they say is, oh, pastor, I'm a prophet. And he says, oh, that's great, me too, but I don't really care. I want to know what you're doing for the Lord. I want to know what your relationship with the Lord is like. I don't care about your gift right now. What I care about is your relationship with everyone, your relationship with the Lord. We find our identity in the gift rather than in the relationship. The issue with Joseph was not that he had a gift. It was not that he had a dream. It was not that he had favor with his father. Those things are good. We all have dreams. We all have gifts. Our father all shows favor on us. The issue is that Joseph was more in love with those things than he was with the gift giver. He was more in love with that coat. He was more in love with the fact that he was the father's favorite than he was in love with his father, than he was in love with his brothers. Are you more in love with your gift this morning than the gift giver? Do you care more about that gift than you do your relationship with the father? You see, Joseph or Jacob probably didn't need Joseph to go check on his brothers. Jacob was 17 years old. His brothers were at least 20, some of them 40. Jacob didn't need this little kid to go out and check on these men who knew how to do their job. Right? No, he was sending them out so that he could heal the relationship. The father wants to heal the relationship. The father wants to push you to heal these relationships in your life. The relationship with your father, the relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, he wants to push you to do that. He doesn't care about your gift right now. When you're being disobedient, he could care less about your gift. What he cares about is how you are acting, how you are responding. He cares about the relationship. So why are you in the pit? Did you let your pride get in the way of the destiny that the Father was pushing you to? We all have a destiny. Are you more focused on your gift and your dream than the one who birthed that dream into you, than the one who gave you that gift? What will you be known for? That's the tagline of this series. What will you be known for? When it comes to your gift, will you be known as the person who really talked a lot about their gift but didn't show it that much? Or, or will you be known as the person who, who sure had that gift? Man, he was, he was a great guy. He really cared. You know, he really had a strong relationship with God. How will you be known? Unfortunately for Joseph, as a result of his pride, he lost his gift. Remember, the brothers took that robe from him. They threw him in the pit. They cut it all up. They covered it with blood, and they brought it to the father. He lost that gift, and he went on, and he never got that jacket back. He never got that coat back, that gift he was so proud of. He never got it back because his pride got in the way. You know, the father doesn't take our gifts from us, but we can lose them. But it's not as a result of the Father. It's, a result, it's as a result of our sin, of our pride, we can lose our gift. 
what will you be known for? Will you allow the past to shape your future? Or will you just find yourself in this pit day after day, digging deeper and deeper because you let your pride get in the way? Here's the next question. Who are you listening to while in the pit? Who are you listening to? There's two voices in the pit. There's, There's God, the Father, and there's the enemy. Who are you listening to? We have to stop and be quiet when we're in the pit. You know, you've, you've got to stop and just, you've got to quit some things when you're in the pit. You've got, to, you've got to allow yourself to just sit there and be quiet and listen and just hear the voice of the Father. But you can also hear the voice of the enemy. There's a voice of condemnation and a voice of conviction. Condemnation comes from the enemy, but conviction comes from the Father. Condemnation says you have failed. Condemnation says you have no value. Condemnation says you are unforgivable. But you see, conviction, while it may sound similar, you know, it still says you're wrong. It still says you struggle with sin and with pride. It still says you've messed up. But here's what conviction does. It leads to growth. It says, how can we see this? How can we understand your sin and move forward? Condemnation just says, you're a dirty sinner. But conviction says, how can we grow? It it finds truth. Man, truth hurts, doesn't it? Especially when you've been living this life where you're so prideful and you've blamed everybody but yourself, and then you hear the truth. That hurts. That cuts deep. Conviction is something that we can learn from. We can grow. But it's hard to listen to conviction, right? It it may not seem like it, but it's easy to listen to condemnation. You know, the the devil, he's he's a good devil. He's good at lying. He's good at deceiving you. We see someone else who was in a pit. His name was was Jacob or Israel, the father. He was in a pit. Jacob was concerned with the relationships with his sons. He was concerned with them. He he even sent Joseph out to to kind of try to mend the relationship. And verse 35 says, after after Joseph's brothers come back and they show him this, this rotten, torn up, bloody coat, they show it to the father and he says, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. I shall go down to Sheol. Does anybody know what Sheol means? It's the pit. He's in the pit of, of his own. But you see, the brothers never came up and said, uh, look, Dad, he's dead. They didn't say, look, a, a lion ate him, he's dead. They, they never said that. Jacob came to that conclusion all on his own. But it wasn't really on his own, was it? It was a lie of the enemy. It was deception. He's a good devil. It's easy to listen to deception. We listen to to the deception of the enemy, and then we fall deeper and deeper into the pit. What does that deception sound like in your life? I'm married to the wrong person. Right? That's what it sounds like. I'm married to the wrong person. There's this other person in my life, and I would just be perfect for them. They're just like me. You don't want to marry someone just like you. You would drive yourselves crazy. Uh, You're never going to make it in this job. You need to just quit and, you know, go out on your own. Right? How How many people have heard this before? Maybe you're struggling. But you don't need to just quit your job. You've got to go through it. You've got to work hard. Okay, that's the deception of the enemy. You're unlovable. You'll never make friends. We've heard that deception before, and we just say, okay, I'm, I'm just introverted. I don't have friends. I'm just introverted, right? No, the, 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 the enemy is sowing these seeds of deception so that you will listen to the condemnation and not the truth of the Father. So you will listen to the lies and not the truth that the Father is showing you so that you can grow. Jacob remained in that pit for over 20 years. 
thinking that his son was dead because he listened to these lies. How often do we just listen to the lies of the enemy and we just remain in that pit? We just remain stuck digging deeper and deeper down because we don't listen to the truth. We listen to the lies. The truth will set us free. Conviction is never fun because it's the truth, and truth hurts, right? But the Father never condemns. He only convicts. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's never anything good with the devil, okay? He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but but then Christ comes so that he can give you life. Condemnation comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but conviction comes to give you life, to give you life abundantly. What will you be known for? When you're in that pit and you're, and you're listening to these voices, will you be known for the one who, who listened to the voice of truth? And sure, it was difficult, it was a hard journey, but he got out of that pit because he listened to the voice of truth. Or will you be stuck in that pit, listening to the voice of condemnation? You know, I find some similarities between the pit and a timeout for a child. Some similarities between the pit and a timeout. And here's the, here's the third question. How are you using your time in the pit? Are you using your time wisely? So, so timeout in the pit, right? When I was a child, I hated getting sent to my room. I just hated it. I didn't really like to spend time in my room. The only thing I did in there was sleep. You know, we didn't, we didn't have TVs in our rooms when I was a kid. We didn't have Xboxes or computers or even cell phones. The only thing you could do in your room is sleep. So I hated when I got to my room. And quickly, I learned that if I just, okay, what did I do wrong? Okay, that's what I did wrong. Mom, I'm sorry. This is what I did wrong. Can I please come out? Can I, can I please come out? I'm sorry for what I did. Can I please come out? That, that was me just yelling from my door to anybody that could hear me in the house. I hated being alone. And the pit is kind of the same way. The purpose of the pit is for us to cry out. The purpose of the pit is for us to sit there in silence and realize, okay, this is what I did. Remember, why are you in the pit? Okay, this is what I did. And then you listen to the truth. Okay, Father, you're right. I've struggled with pride. I've struggled with this sin. You're right. And then you cry out to the Lord. You say, Father, I'm sorry. I I understand what I've done. Joseph, or Jonah, another person in the Bible, found himself in a pit as well. This, this is the story of Joseph. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. There's that word again, Sheol, it's the pit. Out of this pit I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the hearts of the sea. And the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountain, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Jonah doesn't seem very happy, does he? He's not like, God, I messed up. I'm sorry. No, Joseph says, you left me down here. These bars closed around me. The weeds were growing around me. He was frustrated. He was frustrated. Church, I want you to know it's okay to be frustrated and talk to the Father. 
you don't have to get right before you have a relationship with the Father. You don't have to, to say, okay, God, I'm only happy when I talk to you. Thank you. No, you can be frustrated and talk to the Father. Jonah was frustrated. He was in a pit. You're not going to be happy when you're in the pit. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. We think we're only allowed to cry out to the Lord when we're happy. But we're allowed to cry out to the Lord in anger and frustration. Have you read the book of Psalms? Half of the book of Psalms, this guy's angry. He's just yelling at God. But God wants transparency in our relationship. He wants us to cry out to him. He already knows we're angry and frustrated, so why are we hiding it from him? He wants us to cry out to him. Here's how Joseph continued as the Lord answered, You brought me up out of the pit. Oh, Lord, my God, you brought me up. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He was frustrated, but he heard the truth. He knew that salvation came from the Lord. He was frustrated, but he knew that God was the only one who was going to pull him from that pit. He was angry, but he knew that God was the only one who could rescue him. He was mad, but he knew that the Father was the only one who could pull him from the depths of that pit. It wasn't until Jonah cried out to the Lord that he was spit up out of this fish, and the Lord continued to bring him towards his destiny. He was running away, literally in the opposite direction of his destiny. And the Lord found him in a pit, and Joseph cried out. I think it's exactly when Joseph cried, I'm sorry, Jonah cried out. Now we're talking about Joseph. I think it's exactly when Joseph cried out to the Lord that Judah pulled him up out of that pit. I, I think it was that exact same time. Now, we don't know much about what happened to Joseph when he was in that pit. The Bible doesn't talk about it anymore. I think that's interesting. He, he was quiet. He was with the Lord. He, he was listening to the truth. He wasn't still complaining. He wasn't still worried about if he was his father's favorite. In that moment, he was, he was in fight or flight mode, right? He was quiet, and then he cried out to the Lord. And I think that's exactly when Judah pulled him up out of that pit. And he, and he sent him into slavery, right? Well, that doesn't seem like the, the right next step. I got out of this pit, and now I'm in slavery? It's a process. That's right. It's a process. The Lord's not going to pull you out and say, okay, you went through one difficulty, now you're the king. No, it's a process. There's going to be numerous tests that we go through. Next week, we're talking about purity. There, there's numerous tests in our life that we go through. It's not going to be easy just when you get out of that pit. It's still a journey. It's still a climb. But if you trust in the Lord, if you lay back in the Lord and allow him to carry you, if you cry out to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm done doing this on my own, I'm going to let you do it, he will carry you through. Because after he gets out of that pit, Joseph does almost everything right. He does almost everything right. He is an incredible man. But it was after he spent that time in the pit, he grew, he learned, that he became that man. I have a, a story of my own about crying out to the Lord when I was in a pit. It was a time when, when I had just gotten out of, uh, of ministry for a little bit. I had done like an internship for the summer at a church as a youth pastor. And, it, and I just had really big dreams for this. This is a small little country church, and I'm like, you know what? We're going to have the rockinest youth group in this little country town. And I kid you not, for the entire summer, we had the pastor's daughter, the worship leader's daughter, and one other kid. The entire summer, our youth group was made up of three children. And now I know it's not about numbers. You know, we still did good things with them, 
But I just thought, Lord, you were going to bless this youth ministry so powerfully because of me, and we're going to grow this youth ministry. There was only two kids that had to be there and one other. And so I was just so upset with myself, upset with God at the end of this summer internship. And, and I went back to Bible college. I went to Regent. And I was just like, God, this is, this is stupid. You, you, don't, you don't have a plan of ministry in my life. I, I can't even get a fourth kid to come to youth group. This is so dumb, God. And I just was filled with bitterness. My heart was hardened. And, and I was just so mad at God. I was just so angry and bitter for, for the longest time. And then I had a professor a dear professor, I, I, I owe him a lot of, of who I am now because of this one thing. He said, I want you to write a psalm. Write your own psalm. And, and just be as honest. Come from a deep, honest place in your heart. You know, don't hold anything back. Just, just write this prayer to God. So I wrote this. I said, revive me, O Lord, for your purposes. Keep me in your plan. How long will you keep me behind your throne? Like an animal eats the scraps, so too I eat the remnants of your plate. When will you pour out your blessing upon me, Father? For years I prospered from your reign, but now my fields are dry. I have no fruits to give. I'm empty, I'm barren, I'm, I'm done, I'm dried up. Rescue me, O God, of the dry and fruitless garden I am in. Anoint me with the oil of your blessing. Embrace me with the passion of a father. Take me to your throne room. Send me to your people. It wasn't until I was able to really cry out to the Lord and say, God, I feel like you've forgotten about me. I feel like you've just given me these scraps of food to do ministry with and that's it. I feel like you've forgotten to pour a little rain on my garden. Where are my fruits if you're not watering me, Lord? But it wasn't until I realized it was my pride that got in the way. I said, I'm going to grow this youth ministry. I'm going to do powerful ministry in this small little country town. I'm going to bring revival to this church. And God said, okay, go ahead. He said, go ahead. But, but we can't do it on our own. When we allow the Lord to show us the pride in our lives, that's when we can finally grow. And when I cried out to the Lord, I had this, this awakening in my spirit. And everything just kind of started going right. I don't want to brag or anything, but everything just kind of started going right. And, you know, my wife and I came to Grace River. We got connected with the Grace Groups here, and we even led a Grace Group. And I'll be honest, we only had three people in that Grace Group, too. It's like the Lord was saying, look, it's okay. <laughs> we led that Grace Group, and we were just active. I was an usher. And then one day, Pastor John and Pastor Corey sat me down, and they said, hey, we, we want to bring you on in, in, this, in this ministry. We want, we want you to minister to students. And I was like, well, I'm kind of done ministering to students. Uh, I had this kind of bad experience. I don't, I don't really want to do that anymore. And they were like, we want you to minister to students. I said, okay. And the Lord continued to work favor in my life. He's continued to grow in me here. He's continued to, 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 to grow me like, like a flower, like a plant. He's continued to water me. I produce that fruit. He's continued to water me, but it's only because I cried out in pain and in honesty and in frustration, but, but knowing that he was the answer, knowing that he is the only way that I can get out of that pit. Now, there's one more person in the Bible who we find in a pit, and that's Jesus. The Bible says that, that after he died on the cross, he went down into Sheol, and it says he even preached to the souls in Sheol, in that pit. And you see the difference 
between us and the pit and Jesus is in the pit is, is he didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve to be in that pit. He was sinless. He was there because that's where we belong. That's where we belong and that's where he was. He felt the pain and the agony of your pit. He's been there before. He felt the frustration that you are feeling. He, he's been there before. He even said before he was crucified, Father, if this can pass from me, he cried out, Lord, if, if I don't have to do this, I'd really rather not. But he knew that if he just rested in the Father, if he just allowed the Father to do the work, that all things would be made new. There's this story, and praise team if you'll come, or actually just, just Ingrid for now. There's this story of a man who, who fell down in the hole. And uh, it was a dark hole, it was deep. And, and a doctor passed by. And he said, hey, doc, you know, I'm stuck in this hole, can you help me out? So the doctor scribbles a prescription and he throws it down. He carries on his way to the hospital or wherever he was going. And then a priest walks by. He says, hey, Father, can, can you help me out? I'm stuck in this hole. And the Father scribbles out a prayer, throws it down there and continues on to church. And then a man's friend walks by. He says, hey, buddy, I'm stuck in this hole. Can you please help me out? And the friend jumps right down in there with him. And the man says, are you crazy? Now we're both in the hole. And the friend says, okay, I've been here before. I know the way out. Our friend in Jesus, he's been in that pit before. He knows the way out. He's been down there with you. He knows how to get out. Would you cry out to him? Would you say, God, I'm down in this pit? Because he'll jump down there with you. And he'll say, don't worry. I know the way out. But so many times, we want to just stick with our pride. We don't want to allow ourselves to become weak so that he can be strong. There's a passage in Psalms that says, he will not leave you in the Sheol. He won't leave you in that pit. He'll jump down there with you. He'll carry you out. He's a good God. He is there with you. I'm going to ask the praise team to come as we pray. Father, we are in a pit this morning. Maybe someone's finances are just, it looks like a pit. Maybe someone's marriage is just, oh, it's just a bad marriage. God, maybe someone is just struggling at work and, and they just can't even, oh, they don't want to wake up tomorrow morning because that job is just a pit. Or maybe they look in the news and they're like, oh my goodness, this world is a pit. And, and there's just so much depression. There's so much anxiety. There's so much sadness. Because, Father, if we're honest, we're all stuck in that pit. But, God, we need your help. God, we cry out to you. Would you rescue us? Would you save us? Lord, no matter how far we fall, no matter how deep that pit is, you can pull us out if we cry out to you. Lord, we cry out to you this morning. Lord, we cry out to you this morning. God, will you revive us again for your purpose? Will you water us again? Will you allow us to grow and, and bear fruit again? Lord, we're sorry that our pride has gotten in the way. But Lord, we want to be grown 
we want to just lay back and say, Father, I'm tired of trying. Would you just carry me the rest of the way? Lord, we need you this morning. It's in your son's most precious name that we pray. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.